Hey, kid, this is Jonathan Stark, and you're listening to Fright Night Minute. Welcome to Fright Night. <laughs> Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. And welcome back on this TGIF Friday. Uh, That was was dumb. But anyway, welcome back, (laughs) Andy Nelson from the Marvel Movie Minute and the Next Real Film Podcast. We made it to the end of the week and we're an hour into the movie. Congrats, guys. Oh, my God. We've done an hour of a movie. We've recorded <laughs> 60 podcasts. That's just crazy. <laughs> uh, and yes, this is Minute 60 of Fright Night. It begins with uh, Charlie and Amy on the run and ends with a forceful invitation. Yo, microphone check, one, two, what is this? The five-foot assassin with the roughneck business. I float like gravity, never had a cavity, got more rhymes than all uh, right, so we have Charlie and Amy uh, trying to get into club radio, uh, but Jerry is on their tail, so they run. Um, but they don't get very far until Jerry is suddenly in front of them. And I just can't imagine what's going through Amy's head right now. <laughs> At this moment, like before, this is scary. Now it's like, oh, my freaking God, like this is – this is really happening. Or he's got a great twin or some stunt doubles hiding around. I tell you, it's the three amigos trick. <laughs> amigos, amigos, amigos. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, Jerry uh, stops them from continuing on down the road. And so they run into the alley. And up at the top of the alley, Jerry steps out in front of them again. And it's a lot like uh, Lynn's uh, sheepdog we've heard about. Uh, <laughs> earlier in the week, uh, just you called it a sheepdog. I didn't call it a sheepdog. Is, was it, I think it was a wolf. It was a wolf. Yeah, a werewolf. Yeah. Oh my god, it was a werewolf. <laughs> you're lucky it didn't get you then. <laughs> are you? Are you were you telling me a dream from when you were three years old? We were just secretly scared. Um, <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, the the. We're we're about to go inside. The only place left to go is this kitchen entrance to uh to the the club. And why does a dance club have a chef in full chef outfit cutting tomatoes in the back? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe the bar is tapas. You know, but maybe they do small plates. All right, it just seems so weird. Like we when we go in there, this is a full on nightclub. I don't. I don't see yeah. anybody like waitresses walking around with plates or anything like that. Maybe somebody wants. There are tables. There, there is. There's a waitress walking around. She's got beers. Oh. She's oh, well, yeah. So I mean, beers yeah. maybe. The tables are yeah. just for yeah. the coke. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put the coke somewhere. They can't just go on the bathroom stall. You know, this is something I've only seen in movies too. This like, for some reason, the kitchen like could also serve as like a I don't know. You could serve food from the bar there into the alleyway or something. Like, why is there an open air uh, table for the chef to work on into this grimy alleyway? <laughs> 
Well, I have a feeling it's it's the like the loading. Like I feel like when like in the daytime, like the truck backs up this slope, and they unload all the fruits and vegetables and stuff. Like that's what I I don't know. Otherwise, I'm like I don't I don't see any reason why there'd be a window here. Yeah, it reminds me of Lady and the Tramp. You know, <laughs> you know Charlie and Amy. If they weren't being pursued by a vampire, they could have a nice uh, you know plate of spaghetti and meatballs to share. Right. <laughs> By the way, I recently did Bella Notte uh, as a karaoke song, and it's it's a lot harder than it sounds. It it, uh, it, it takes a, it requires a lot of personality to put behind those lyrics. So, um, and I'm also not Italian, so that <laughs> that didn't help either. <laughs> so uh, yeah, maybe he's got the maybe the door kicked open because it's hot in that kitchen. I, that's the only thing I could think of, but it does seem like it, it's it. They do have to leap up over this table that he's working on. Well, yeah, and Jerry's walking around in a coat, but yeah, I guess it's yeah. more for dramatic effect. I mean, neither of them are in coats, I guess. Yeah. And so uh, this is the moment where I bring in the uh, the Rebel Without a Cause connection. Did, did, did you catch what I was talking about in the last minute, Andy? I did. I, I, oh, well, I heard, about, heard them talking about it on the, when I was listening to the commentary, so it's a pretty interesting little uh, moment here. Yeah, this is uh, this is writer Stuart Stern, the guy who wrote uh, Rebel Without a Cause. Apparently, he is a mentor of Tom Holland, and uh, Tom called him to come on downtown and give him a little, uh, give him a help, out, help help him out by playing a chef in his movie. <laughs> well, what's interesting is he actually had had stopped writing and became a chef, and and so he oh, he really? was like natural for this. No, I'm totally making that. Oh, okay. I was like, oh man, this is like I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> But, Wouldn't uh, that be funny, though? <laughs> yeah, but I love how um, this does kind of make you think. Maybe, maybe uh, since since this guy is a mentor of Tom's, that he probably watched Rebel Without a Cause or respected, you know, the the, the screenplay so much that you know he saw a little bit of uh, Sal Mineo in in Evil Ed, you know, in in creating the character. So maybe I, don't know, I just love that that connection there. Yeah, I think it's a. I, I would say, why not? I mean, I think absolutely. Yeah. When you have somebody that you've, uh, you know, you look up to in the industry who's written kind of an iconic project like that one, I, I think sure. And I think that it does give a really interesting perspective that I've never really thought about with, with uh, Evil Ed. That I, I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could see Amy as uh, as Natalie Wood, but I definitely can't see Charlie as James Dean. <laughs> Just a, mm. that's where it stops. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean. He does have some. Uh, he does have some crazy outbursts in this movie, uh, so there's that. But he definitely doesn't look as cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. So does that make Jerry? I guess he's not quite uh, Charlie's father, you know. But he does have the, you know, Charlie's father. I mean, uh, 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 James Dean's father was walking around in kind of that uh, that very feminine uh, uh, robe. It almost is like he's got that with his trench coat here. We were actually, there's, there's definitely a lot of, uh, of uh, seeing Jerry as uh, a father figure to Charlie. I think both him and uh, Peter play father figures to, to Charlie throughout this movie. Um, you know, especially when Charlie first meets, meets Jerry sitting in what we yeah. think is his father's chair. Right. Or was his father's chair. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a whole theory I will talk to you about off mic because people are sick and tired of hearing about my theory <laughs> by now. It's 60 episodes in. They know what I'm talking about if they've been listening. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> da, da, 
man. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I promise I'll tell you, Andy. Uh, okay. They uh, so they run through the kitchen and down the stairs, and uh, I love the song that's playing. Um, this is the band Sparks. Uh, this is their song, Armies of the Night. And the lyrics we hear are, uh, the armies of the night are coming, they're coming. Life will be a dream for you and me, for you and for me. The armies of the night are coming, they're coming. Life will be a scream for you and for me. Um, And uh, yes, Sparks is uh, an American pop rock synth uh, duo from uh, Los Angeles. They influenced uh, such bands as uh, The Smiths, Depeche Mode, New Order, Sonic Youth, and even Nirvana. Um, and uh, last wow. bit of trivia here is that uh, Edgar Wright's next movie is a documentary about this band. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing an Edgar Wright documentary uh, about an 80s synth pop band. <laughs> Uh, Which uh, who's who are still around? That's yeah. what I found interesting. Is these guys are still <laughs> together and performing? That's fantastic. Yeah, apparently Edgar uh, filmed a, like a not a, maybe not a reunion concert, but a you know kind of revival concert of, of theirs, and then decided to uh, create a whole documentary around it uh, about their roots and all that. But so uh, I'm really looking for. I mean, gosh, the you know what we've seen from Edgar Wright. You know, the the Cornetto trilogy and then the Scott Pilgrim and then Baby Driver, all just great movies. And just to have him do like a, a rock documentary uh, would be is going to be so interesting. Him being such yeah. a music fan himself, you know. Huh. Cool. Uh, but I, this, this, this song, I always hum this song, you know, when we get to this part, cause it's just, I don't know, it's catchy. It's a catchy song. And I'm like, oh, that's Sparks. That's that band that Edgar Wright's making a documentary. I, I really should go in their back catalog and, and check them out, um, which I probably will. Uh, cause this song is very catchy. Uh, and it's very eighties. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. There's a, you know, it's, it's, it's synth, but there's, you know, you can, you hear the track, you don't hear the track perfectly because it's, you know, diegetic music, but there is some orchestra crashes in there. I could hear. <laughs> and if there's anything that's eighties, uh, synth pop, it's some orchestra, orchestra, ca- ca- uh, crashes. And, uh, um, on, and uh, so this nightclub set, Club Radio, uh, was a former hardware store uh, near the studio, uh, and they had renovated it for Brian De Palma's body double uh, the previous year. Uh, there, I guess there's a, a sequence in it with uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And, uh, oh, yeah, right. And they, they, they used this nightclub for that, that movie uh, the previous year. And, uh, yeah, huh. these are both uh, Columbia Pictures movies, so yeah, Columbia Pictures probably uh, owned it or knew of it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we kind of uh, uh, end this part of the scene with uh, we see uh, Chef Stewart uh, hunting uh, Charlie and Amy like uh, he's that chef in The Little Mermaid and uh, there's Sebastian Crab <laughs> running. And, and Charlie uh, goes to the payphone and, uh, yeah, he says he's going to call the police. So that that worked before. Uh, how it's... <laughs> yeah, it's, it was an odd choice. I was like, "Why is he calling the police?" He, <laughs> he, it's, it made no sense that that's who he would go to. But I guess he's at his place. Like, who is he going to call? Who is he going to call? I mean, yes, the, the Ghostbusters came out the previous year, but they're fictional. Uh, <laughs> a lot of this crew worked on Ghostbusters, but yes, uh, <laughs> who would he call? I mean, uh, the detective said he was going to lock him up next time he talked to him. So I don't know why he was going to call the cops. Um, mom <laughs> can't call mom. Um, yeah, she's she, at work. Yeah, probably with the night shift. Um, 
yeah, there's not many other people to to call that that we. I mean, he could call Peter. I mean, I I know he was, you know, Peter kind of left, but I mean, Mm -hmm. at least he feels like there's, you know, some connection there. Yeah, yeah. At least he's a believer. Yeah. Even though I don't know that Charlie has uh, Peter's number, though. I don't know that there. That's true. That is true. Amy and Ed sort of just got Peter involved. He did just drop by. He didn't call him. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Peter, uh, we now go. Well, to... be- before oh. we get to that, though, we have yes. to look at some of these outfits. Yes. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the best parts of this minute. So, <laughs> just watching these these great outfits. First of all, as 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 they come out and they start going down the stairs, you've got some great people behind them. The guy in the, you know, he looks like he's got kind of the 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 classic uh, YMCA biker kind of uh, hat on, sitting back there, and he's just kind of, I don't know, just drinking his beer. Kind of shaking his head and and uh, are we in the blue oyster? <laughs> it's it's it seems like it could be. You know, he's sitting next to the guy and kind of the, you know, he's got the perm and he's got the kind of the purple shirt on with his jeans. Uh-huh. Some some great stuff. And then and then you they run downstairs and this is where it really kicks in because you get all of the great lights plus all of the uh, the outfits and everything. It's a very colorful nightclub. Oh, and it's it, it feels like. Total, total 80s club. My favorite is the guy who they, they passed pretty early as they're running through. He's wearing like a green uh, checked shirt with suspenders. His, his It's a button-down shirt, and it's open to you know about mid-chest, and his collar's popped, and he's got a great big 80s stash and hair, <laughs> and he's just got a great sway out there on the dance floor with, the, with his chick. It's uh-huh. just, it's so funny. <laughs> Oh man, the eighties! Oh, mm-hmm. So good. Have, uh, have either of you ever been to a dance club? I've been to a couple of clubs. You know, rock clubs, maybe, but nothing. Not right. a, actually. You know what? I, there was a couple times in my twenties where I hit like uh, hit like a you know a dance club, but I didn't. I don't know. I, maybe I didn't. It didn't appeal to me too much. Just I probably went by a couple times. You know, dating and stuff. What about you? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been to some dance clubs where we've been dancing. I, I don't know if it was, I, I don't know. I probably danced as bad as some of these people, but, um, <laughs> you know, it was fun when I was, uh, uh down at, uh, Walt Disney world, they used to have a place called pleasure Island. That was basically just a whole bunch of different types of dance clubs. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, it was a great place to just go hang out. And so, uh, and sometimes dance and sometimes not, but, uh, yeah, no, no uh, interruptions by vampires seducing anyone, <laughs> at least that I'm aware of. I, I have one more person that I have to point out. I mean, there's oh, a lot of fantastic yes, outfits, sure. but uh, you guys can maybe help me out. Uh, this is kind of about, I don't know, 32, 33 seconds in as they're kind of running through the crowd. The camera's tilting up on the left of the frame. I can't figure out if this is just a really short woman or if it's like somebody's daughter that they brought because they <laughs> needed some more extras because she's super short. And I'm like, and I, as I was watching, looking through the crowd, I'm like, is that a kid? It looks like a young kid. She's got like the long uh, brown hair and she's just jamming out over there. I don't know if you guys can see her, but. Uh, uh, bring up quick time very slowly right now. Uh, let's yeah. see. What's, what, what, what time is it? 50. No, it's about 33, oh, 32, my, 33 seconds. You can kind of see her on the left, 33 for 34. Just, she just looks really young, <laughs> but she's totally getting down. Is she like by behind by herself kind of? Well, she's her partner is kind of behind the, there's the black guy who's kind of got his arms up. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, but, and she's just on the left of that. And, and yep, kind of, I see her. 
Yeah. <laughs> she does look. Yeah. What is Winnie Cooper from the Wonder Years doing in this shot here? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. And I do see the uh, yellow. The yellow suspenders really stand out. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's another one. Those fluorescent yellow suspenders. Ah, uh, so good. So much great stuff here. Oh, they do have a. This waitress has a club radio shirt. I mean, there's some tassels on the bottom, so I probably wouldn't want that design. But I, I love to have a. I love you know you having like a, a film shirt that is just an obscure reference to sure. a, a right. business in yeah. it. I wonder if the, you could find a club radio shirt out there. Probably not. Somebody could probably make that. It would be great. It's yeah. Very obscure cosplay to see if anyone recognizes her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready to move on? Yeah. Out of the club for at least this week and on to uh, uh, Peter's apartment. Um, Peter hears a knock at his door. Um, and uh, this is actually the first time you've been in this apartment on our podcast, Andy. Do, 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 right. What do you think of uh, – I just I just love the memorabilia all over the place. Um, there was one thing that's – you probably can't see it in this minute, but – as a fan of the uh, of the movie, maybe you remember that bald, white faced uh, mask or something in a glass case, and these white hands are, are one of the things that are on display. Uh, yep. Do you have right. any idea what that could be? <laughs> I don't, and it isn't in this minute. You're right, so I I, I can't uh, pull it up uh, yeah. off the top of my head as to what it is, but. There, are the, the there. What I love about his place is it just feels like he's a collector of kind of the sort of stuff that he's been around his whole life and all yeah. the horror stuff, yeah. and it's just these random things. Like I love that the I don't know if it's a weird like gargoyle mask that's uh, next to his door above the other mask, but yeah. kind of like yeah, just some really great uh, production design in here to kind of give a, give the sense of this guy who he's in it. He's a fan and uh, he's also working in it. I, I, I love it. There is actually a uh, planet of the apes mask, uh, not uh, a life mask of, uh, of uh, Roddy McDowell that was used for planet of the apes really? as well. It's uh, it's a white mask. It's over his, uh, his mantle, off towards his kitchen area. If you ever go back to look at that, <laughs> um, so Peter hears a knock at his door, <laughs> and uh, you know Peter's like, "Who is it?" And he and he hears, "It's me, Evil Ed." And like that is the first sign. I mean, maybe Peter doesn't know because <laughs> you know he he doesn't know Ed, but Ed hates being called evil. <laughs> right. But I love the, yeah, I love the fact that he's actually telling the truth now. Yeah, like it's it's his evil Ed. Right. <laughs> I was Ed before. Now I'm evil. There's <laughs> like a I don't know somebody who's constantly being called a, a certain name or whatever, and they're like, ah, oh, screw it, I'm gonna own it. <laughs> I'm evil yeah, Ed. Right. <laughs> uh, and this is another we get that a, a, another great movie trope of like yanking the person in through the doorway. We don't get to see. Uh, you know who's on the other end. We just get uh, the door opens, a hand reaches out and grabs him and pulls him in. It's another <laughs> fantastic movie trope. Well, it seems really silly in context of the scene, but it actually yeah. ends up uh, playing pretty nicely. Yeah, we ha- yeah we haven't actually seen his hallway except for looking through his door uh, before, but now we're seeing paintings all over the place. So this is you know not not a bad place to live um, that he's getting evicted from. <laughs> but I love that Ed that Ed again. He's telling the truth. Like, you know, Peter's like, you know, kind of like, what do you want? And Ed says, hurry, there's a vampire out here. <laughs> Let me in. 
uh, he's telling the truth. There really is one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like you said, he yanks him through the door, and I guess this is an invitation. <laughs> yeah, that's an invite. Sure. If you're pulling, someone how does that? So, him? if he okay, here's a here's a vampire technical question. Yeah. So, if he has been in his apartment before <laughs> he's a vampire, like he was invited in, and then he's turned, did, did that previous invitation count, or does he have to get a new invitation because now he's a vampire? I would think he'd need a new one, but I, it probably depends on the film or the lawyer. <laughs> sure. But I think he, I think he would need a new one. Okay. Yeah, okay. Either the invitation is him pulling him in, and that's an invitation by physical force, or, uh, or yeah, like you said, like uh, he's been invited before, so now he has free reign. But, I don't know. I think classic vampire mythology, like uh, Salem's Lot, for instance, mm-hmm. when Father Callanham is made unclean by the vampire, he can no longer enter his own church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would think, I mean, you know. He's been in in and out of that church. Now he's evil. I would think that once you become a vampire, you 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 can't you can't just walk in and out of places. But there is another question: If this is an apartment building, which it obviously is, how did Ed get inside without the landlord saying you can come in? <laughs> Where is that line? Bobby. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, that's an interesting question. I haven't thought about that before in the context of vampires. <laughs> I, I mean, I always go back to thinking about how, uh, you know, Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement uh, made fun of this whole trope from uh, in w- what we do in the shadows with the vampires trying to get into a club and they can't yeah. get in without being invited. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, usually usually the trope is a, like a public place is fine. Like, I, and I think that was yeah. carried down through like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, but, uh, yeah. Jeez. On the te- television show, What We Do in the Shadows, there was a scene where uh, Nadia, I believe her name is, or Nadia, she couldn't get into the parking garage. Yes, that's right. So <laughs> I guess it, <laughs> but oh. that's obviously comedy, you know. So. I'm so yeah. glad you're watching that one, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's really awesome. Fun. Uh, so yeah, I love when Peter pulls him through and then we have Ed right in front of the camera as Peter's like, you know, slamming the door shut and Ed's just got this little secret smile, like (laughs) sucker. (laughs) Uh, and we have to talk about this, the, the amount of speed that's happening here though, because it's only been a couple minutes since he was turned. And so he's, he's fully turned. Now, which I mean, I don't know if you are, you know, kind of spoilers as far as the rest oh, of the movie or, or how you guys are doing it. But I mean, it takes Amy like a whole night. It's like this whole process to actually be turned. And with Ed, it's like not only is he, you know, the attack happens quickly and then instantly Jerry is already in pursuit of Charlie and Amy. Right. So obviously, I don't know. I don't know what he does to turn Ed so quickly, but he, he turns Ed and then in a very quick amount of time, Ed gets, I don't know how far he has to go, but, you know, across L.A. to some extent over to Peter Vincent's place. So is he turning into smoke now and like poofing across the, the valley? I, I can't. I, I don't know. There's. He's at <laughs> least got bat powers. He's got to fly somehow. He's. You know. We do know that he turns into a wolf later, but I yeah. don't know wolf speed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be as fast as bat speed. Uh, and I, you know, <laughs> does Peter live in the city? Because I don't think he lives in the suburbs. 
I'm assuming he lives in the city because this is an apartment building. So maybe he was nearby. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and theoretically, it's not L.A., right? It's uh, I yeah, yeah, Rancho Corvallis. Artist, but, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. the L.A. So suburb of Rancho Corvallis. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if and if well, I don't know. I doubt Peter lives in the same suburb. Um, yeah. I'm assuming the alley that they're walking through is in the suburb, but. I don't know. I'm a little, it's a little. It's a little perplexing, but uh, I don't the think they, you're supposed to. <laughs> the way they filmed it is kind of. It shows. It shows uh, uh, Charlie and Jerry living on a cul-de-sac, which seems to look down on a city. So it's almost like go down the right. hill into the city. Um, yeah. So I yeah. almost picture it yeah. that way. The alleyway is in the city, and Rancho Corvallis is the entire city. I, I don't know. Or maybe the cul-de-sac section is Rancho Corvallis, and the rest is just Corvallis. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very confusing to me. I really love in in generally in vampire stories when someone is bitten. There's so many different rules. You know, we could discuss that forever. Yeah. Sometimes you have to feed to then fully turn and all of that crap. Yeah. You know, right, there's right. All, all different rules. But I generally like it. Just wouldn't work for this one. I mean, Amy kind of goes through it, but but the sickness, the transformation, the sunlight's now bothering you. You're wearing shades inside. I always kind of like you know. It's almost like the the origin story in some way, you know, when someone's bitten. Um, but yeah, Ed, Ed is bitten and then he's, a, you know, he's immediately ready to be really evil, you know? Uh, Maybe it depends on how willing he is. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I well, guess. that's, yeah. yeah, that's an interesting point. He goes into it pretty willingly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Amy is like in a trance and I don't know, maybe, maybe Jerry's like, all right, I'm going to do the one where I'm going to take my time with this one. Cause I really, I, you know, I want to do the whole spiel or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, maybe it's different for girls. I don't know. It could be something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, uh, but yeah, it is funny how quickly, you know, it's just a couple of minutes ago. Um, we were dis- discussing uh, Ed shrieking in fear, and now right. he is, you know, totally owned it. And the way the way it's placed, it you know, this is happening at the same time uh, Jerry is chasing them into the club. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But this movie, man, it moves. It's so it awesome. does move. It's never yeah. never a dull moment in this movie. Like no. like the chase from uh, uh, the chase of. Jerry after Ed and also uh, Jerry after uh, Charlie and Amy is, uh, you know, I mean, Star Wars Minute had to do the pod racing sequence for, you know, like five weeks or something. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine. But our our pod racing sequence is like in two minutes. (laughs) Yeah, right. No fluff. There's really no fluff. Yeah, it's it's, It's a tight movie. Really is. Um, So, yeah. What what are are we going to do? Uh, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> so, yeah, that's the way it ends. And I love how confident Ed is and pale and just uh, he's just owning it, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, good for him. He's finally he's finally got his groove back. <laughs> All right. I think we can wrap up this one. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Ed. <laughs> he's not going to be bullied anymore. He's going to take down this right. old man. <laughs> He's found his path. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll find out what happens next week. Uh, do you guys have anything else to say about this minute before we wrap up minute 60? 
No, no, it's a, it's a good week. A lot of good stuff happening this week in, in these minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much, Andy. Uh, I love your podcast, and I'm so happy that you came on to our little show uh, to talk some Fright Night. Well, I'm thrilled to have been invited. I, I love Fright Night. I always have. And re-watching it uh, for this show is just a thrill to kind of reconnect with it and just kind of rekindle my love for it. It's just such a great film. And uh, it's a thrill talking with you guys this week. Awesome. Yeah, you too. Thanks. And uh, one more time for for uh, the people in the back, uh, where can they uh, find you? <laughs> yeah, they can learn more about our podcast at thenextreel.com. You can find out about the Next Real Film Podcast and all the movies we've discussed on that show, as well as uh, the Marvel Movie Minute, which is our Movies by Minute show, where we're looking at the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. We'll be on the Mobius the Vampire one in uh, 2052. And That's we're right. looking forward to it. Wait a few years. Yep. <laughs> Uh, while we're at it, we want to give a quick shout-out to the guys behind the Movies by Minute phenomenon, uh, Alex and Pete from Star Wars Minute. And if you find want to find uh, more podcasts that cover movies by uh, movies minute by minute, visit moviesbyminutes.com. And for us, we're going to put a stake in this one. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Min. Send your feedback to frightnightminute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Len. And I'm Andy. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs> for real. He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> You're so cool, Brewster. <laughs>